Welcome to Advantage Over, the only global rugby podcast to help you become a better referee. Your host today is Keith Lewis. Are you ready? Time on. Hello there, it's Keith Lewis here. I hope you are all keeping well. You're very welcome to the Advantage Over podcast. Today I'm bringing you a slightly different type of episode. Um, Because last week I, along with a couple of other um, friends and colleagues from the refereeing world, joined a online Facebook show, live show, called Three Blokes, a Ball and Bod. Um, Please do head over to Facebook and have a look um, at that. It's hosted a programme hosted by a chap called Joe Shepherd, who's a fantastic chap over there. Um, It really based out of Ireland, but a native native of the northwest of England. Um, He Badges the show as rugby chat with a local feel and a global reach, um, and that's exactly what um, the show is all about. It does a number of different shows in different parts of the world, but the show that I was on um, last week was a referee special, um, and I kind of hosted it with Joe, as you'll hear over the next hour or so. It is a slightly longer episode than normal, but we were joined by Cam Russell, um, who's the Bay of Plenty referee manager down in New Zealand, um, and former Premiership referee and now Premiership TMO, David Rose. Um, So two great guests joining myself and Joe talking about a whole range of things um, related to refereeing. Um, It's a live show, so we did take questions from people who are watching at the time, so you'll hear some of that conversation, some regulars there um, that join uh, join the show. You'll kind of get a feel for um, people who are commenting and and when those are done. So a slightly different way of doing things. This is a slightly longer show, but we cover lots and lots of ground relating to refereeing. And I thought, why not bring it to you in audio format as well? So I'll stop there. I hope you're all keeping well. Um, Now we can head over and listen to the show that we recorded last week. Ladies and gentlemen, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome, welcome, welcome. I am Big Joe Shep, founder and chief bloke of Three Blokes of Ball and Bod Group of live online global rugby shows. You're welcome to tonight's show. Uh, we have got the very best referees and TMOs across the globe for you to put your questions, your thoughts, your deliberations, your engagement to. Oh, Jesus, these lads are not really good looking. They're the top of their game, and they will tell you why in a nice, calm, measured manner like they do on the pitch or like they do in the APs, why officiating in the modern game is easy. Keith, what are we doing? What are we doing tonight? Tell us all about it. Tell us about yourself. Just remind people who you are, the man you are, because he's very unassuming, but he actually is the founder of rugbyreferee.net. But tell us who the real Keith Lewis is. Hey, Joe. Uh, well, thanks very much for having me back on. It's been, it's been a while since our uh, the heady ties of Rugby World Cup last year, and it's nice to be uh, nice to be back with you. Yeah, absolutely. How's things going with rugbyreferee.net? Uh, how things been well, going? I, I, well, it's been going. It was going fine until, well, you know, this thing happened, and then yeah. all of a sudden, things things slightly dried up. Um, both obviously here in uh, in England. So I'm I'm refereeing down here on the south coast of England. I occasionally get to sit in a TV truck in car parks around uh, around the country, but obviously that all came to a, a grinding halt. Um, similarly to most of the uh, the audience that we've got on tonight, who. Um, similarly found themselves parked up with with not much to, to do or say. But we've been able to um, sort of keep things turning over. It's been great to, to support the guys down under um, as they get back to the field. So it's great that we've got um, someone from that end of the woods who can actually remember what it's like to referee, um, having done it recently in the last couple of weeks. Um, so we've got Cam Russell joining us tonight. He'll be with us in just a minute. Um, and then also we've got um, one of my... Uh, 
fellow TMOs, former Premiership referee, not something I can say about myself, David Rose will be with us as well. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk about all sorts of stuff tonight, all, all linked to, to refereeing. Um, I think the, the rugby gods smiled nicely at us last night where we've had the news out of Dublin and World Rugby that um, Alain Roland, the, uh, the head of uh, elite referees, 15 referees, is stepping down by the end of the month. So we can have a chat about that and what we think um, could be the implications of that or who we might, um, which names might be in the frame there. Um, but yeah, so I think we've got, um, we can cover all sorts of ground between the four of us. Um, looking forward to seeing some of the um, questions that we might get in the chat. And we'll see what, we, what we've got to talk about. Brilliant. Introduce our guests, mate. Who yeah, well, let, let's get them on. I've already given them a bit of a push. So Cam Russell, um, teacher, former teacher, turned referee manager down in the Bay of Plenty. Um, has been doing that for about four years now and is an active referee at the elite level down there. Um, Age-grade interprovincial representative rugby. Um, does a fair amount of ARing and number fouring, number fiving, number six. You even get to number six, Cam? Yeah, uh, in the Mitre like 10 Farah Palmer Cups, uh, which is the senior men's and women's uh, competitions down there, which is which is great. But also, as a day job, um, is involved in overseeing recruitment, retention, development, and education of referees down there. So it's great for that. If anybody has got a law question, Cam is the man to answer it. Don't ask me; I can get round it. But Cam, Cam is the man. If anyone's got anything to do there, um, has done some cracking uh, law quizzes with with his mob over the last uh, couple of weeks. Cam, welcome to the party. No, thanks for introducing uh, me there, Keith. It's a pleasure to be on. Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's all evening for you guys, but I've got my coffee going, so we're happy days here and uh, looking forward to it. So, what wine in Dublin? Coffee, coffee, and uh, whereabouts are you, mate? Oh, I'm in Tauranga, in New Zealand. There you yeah. Go. So there we go. And then our our second guest um, is David Rose, who will be a face that many folk um, on this uh, this side of the planet will be familiar with um a, a premiership referee for for many many years um 110 i think it was rosie wasn't it yes yeah, yeah. not that was premiership european as well um similarly stepped into the, the tmo world um a couple of years ago as well still refereeing down in devon um you are the training manager at the moment uh, i was i'm the secretary there, mate. secretary or oh, admin admin yeah big, yeah big job um but um also as a day job in the past has been um irb development manager for the caribbean referee development manager uh, head of development for women and girls rugby at the rfu um as well so um we've got f fair amount of bases covered so cam rosie thanks for being with us tonight thanks for having me Absolutely, pleasure. Cool, guys. Just uh, a, a real pleasure, real pleasure, and uh, thanks to uh, as, as Keith says to Cam and David for uh, joining us. It's been great chatting this week. <laughs> That's again number two as a former prop. I never sort of got the old thing about refs, but we have to, we have moved on so much now, and we embrace you. That's why we wanted shows with you. Uh, who have we got on from around the globe? Demo Rock. Demo, hope that uh, you're well. Uh, evening says evening, guys. Well, rag. Worldwide Rugby Hub, uh, uh, Tomati and Chantel. I hope that's a fantastic site. Go to Worldwide Rugby Hub and have a look what they're doing. Lots of things coming with the new Hawaiian MLR team. Lots of things coming with the uh, MLR uh, site in there as well. Gerald Williamson, former past president at Navin Rugby Club. Great man, great story and doing the whole history of every Irish club at the moment. We have him on our Leinster show as well. Eleni in Greece as well, one of the two girls in Greece. We're doing a show with Eleni and Penny Mitty in a few weeks' time on uh, grassroots rugby development. And it would be remiss 
it would be remiss if I if I didn't give them a penny and uh, and Eleni a shout out today. Myself and Kigo, I don't know if you can see that very good there because of my light. But we received these T-shirts from the girls today, uh, which says that uh, you've got to fight for your right to rugby. 2020, sorry, can't pause the game. There we go. Girls, thanks very much for that. We look forward to having you on. Back to tonight's show. Everybody gets a shout out here. You're all welcome. If you have any questions for Keith, for uh, David, and uh, for Cam, uh, please uh, crack on. The very, very best. It's the chance you'll get to ask every single question about rugby and TMOs and how it works, especially with the, uh, the recent rule changes. Keith's going to lead most of this, but I'm going to start with the first question because the first one's for Keith. Keith, share with us um, how uh, the general pathway for becoming a referee or, or a TMO. Everybody says, you know, I could do better than them. Um, we've we've shared stuff recently saying to people, well, get off your backside and go and do it in a nice way. But look, you know, there are trial days. But what is the general pathway for being a ref or a TMO mean? Yeah, I mean, look, the, the, there are many different ways to get into it um, at the moment. So, I mean, I, I'll let Rosie tell tell your history and, and Cam's, but I mean, mine was as grassroots as it comes. So I was never going to be a good player. I, I played at school, um, did my back in when I was 16, um, had a change of school, um, realised that I, I was actually asked to help out referee some of the inter-house school competitions, got a bit of spare time in my uh, school schedule at that age um, and realised that was something I was potentially going to, um, be all right at so did the course back in Wales actually it was a WIU course um, and then I started from the very bottom there and, and worked up so I, I didn't have the the rugby heritage that um, certainly Rosie did um, Cam I'm not sure what, how you got into refereeing from a playing perspective but Rosie I mean you, you tell your story you were what, what was it Walsall and Staffordshire yeah. outside half yeah I, I mean I I had a, a long playing career um played at several clubs, including in and around Birmingham, where I was born and, and grew up, um, including Moseley, uh, Wolverhampton, uh, Hansworth was my first club in Birmingham and finished at, at Walsall and, yeah, played representative rugby um, as well along the way. And refereeing was never really on my uh, on my radar. Um, I was, doing, I was w working as a, a development officer and I met the head of refereeing at the time who... I'd heard I'd done a little bit of refereeing in some of the trial games we used to run. Uh, and I was in his office and he said to me, um, I've heard you've done some refereeing. And I said, yeah, 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 it's okay. And I was a real poacher turned gamekeeper. Anybody that played with me or against me will know my views on referees at the time and um, what it used to be like. And he said to me, well, um, you never made it as a player. You're not going to make it as a coach. So why don't you try refereeing? Um and I looked at him, and I won't say what I said to him on this on this, <laughs> on this show, but um, it kind of made me think. And and as it turned out, what he wanted to do was break a few of the traditional kind of routes through to refereeing. So I, I basically was the the first referee to get on a what was then an unofficial fast track program. Uh, and within eighteen months, I've made it onto our national panel um, of referees. Um, within three and a half years refereed my first premiership game uh, in 2003 so i had a pretty meteoric sort of uh, route through to the to the, the elite level in england um and i must admit the pay, playing background did help uh initially didn't help ultimately all the way through but it did help initially and how old were you rosie let's just put an age on it when you when you started i was 36 
seven, I think it was when I started. So I, I started in modern terms. I started started late, mm. really late compared right. to where the guys are now. Um, so I, you know, I, I had to get on that treadmill really quickly if I wanted to make it to the to the Premiership. And I think that's why I got pushed so so heavily and so quickly uh, because of those, those two things: one that one to break the mold, and two because of my age. Cool. Cam, what's your refereeing background? Are you so you somewhere oh, in the middle of those two? Well, I'm probably more bit like like you, Keith. I was never going to make it as a player. I actually played um, when I was in high school, and then a little bit, a little bit of sevens and whatnot at club. Um, but I I actually didn't stop playing rug, uh, rugby, and actually played a bit of football for a few years. Uh, God help me, and um, uh, yeah, and just where my mates were, and then a few injuries down down the line, and as uh, as a lot of players, irrespective of code, end up getting, and that's usually what forces them into looking at other things. Um, in this case, my old man was a referee. Uh, he re refereed locally in Manawatu and uh, North Harbour uh, here in New Zealand. And I'd always had that sort of, I guess, insight when watching the games. Uh, he'd always uh, have a good yell at the TV, but it'd be in a very um, uh, pragmatic, uh, law-abiding way that he'd explain things afterwards. So I got a good good knowledge for them all uh, just through that. Uh, so I just sort of turned up cold one day. I mean, there was a lot of resources online um, sort of went through an online course just by myself um, before I got into it. And um, yeah, then just picked up the whistle and ran with it. Um, and again, sort of make, you make it what you want it to be as well. If you pour yourself into it, you can, um, you can progress and you can, you can get, you know, you can move, move through the ranks quite quickly. Um, if you do all that sort of self, uh, self uh, learning into it and that drive. Um, but for our referees here, I can just speak in particular in Bay of Plenty. Uh, they come from a range of um, range of backgrounds. Um, most common being either coaches, if they're coaching their children's teams. Uh, quite often, that's where it begins. Um, and also former players as well. And from a high performance perspective, you've certainly seen um, uh, high performance players be fast tracked or be had, you know, sort of have that have that in because they do have that high performance background. They they understand the high performance game, the training that goes into it. We've got great examples. I mean, Glenn Jackson was probably the first. Um, Bay Pliny as well. Um, we've got Dan Wang in Hawke's Bay. Uh, from the women, we've got Salika Winiata and Tiana Nawati as well. Uh, Tiana's here in the Bay Pliny. Uh, Rebecca Mahoney, former player, and uh, Shane McDermott. So those are probably the, some of the more notable ones um, that have come through the ranks in New Zealand. So, I mean, I mean, that just shows you, Joe, that the difference that we've got in how we get into it. And I think for those out there listening, that we, we need people of all three free varieties whatever your route into to rugby is we need it and i think that i guess there's a recognition in there that age will limit you um there's the reality of that people in referee societies will say it doesn't it doesn't but in reality we're trying to service a higher more professional game so therefore the age and the fitness capabilities do play a part as, as part of that i think mm. that's one of the other challenges that i guess the new the new world rugby chief may have when whoever that might be is how we how they get the next lot of referees in are they just are they now going to solely focus on um on players turning players into referees at which point how do you take people who were who were like me and and cam who are never going to get do that how do what's the route so there's there's progression issues all all the way but i think from a from a grassroots level no matter what background it is we've got we need you um, whether it's parents um, who, who need to referee age grade rugby, youth rugby, whether it's society level, whether it's up to the, the 
the topper end of the community game into elite. So there's definitely opportunities for that. Mm. And I know that late, later on we're going to talk about sort of who potential replacements are for Alan is and have to sort of take our hat off to him, you know, as a player, you know, from, from Blackrock College originally and everything he's done for the game has been absolutely superb. So it will be a hard act to follow. Um, but I think the change in times in the same way as rugby, as we're trying to look now lo local than global, it's how we inculcate at all levels, at the sort of the grassroots level, the sort of the mid-range level and the and the elite level. You know, the very best people like David who who came in relatively late but had a fast track be because of his probably his age, his experience and everything else, and took that. Um, but, but I think there's, uh, again, we're going to touch later on, on with the reduction in funding lines within rugby as a whole, how do we, how is that going to affect uh, referees and officials, you know, coming through? I know New Zealand and, and uh, Australia already have uh, have seen that, but how is that going to affect and how it will have a dramatic effect? Although I have to just throw this one up for Cam. Uh, Joe Lyon says, uh, does Cam get more abuse uh, being a lawyer or from being a ref? Tough call. <laughs> we'll let you answer that one, Cam. Oh, well, I mean, I'm a, I'm a law nut in terms of uh, in terms of the laws of the game. Um, certainly, uh, my background is in, is in teaching. Um, I was a I was a primary school teacher prior to coming to this into this job. Um, yeah, but nice. <laughs> and I, actually, if I think back to whether I caught more abuse as a teacher or as a referee, and, and that would sometimes be a, be a tight question as well, to be perfectly honest, uh, whether it's from the kids or the parents. Um, but <laughs> no, I, look, I think, um, look, even if just thinking about the law and applying the law within the game itself, um, I was actually looking at the question, and I know um, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not actually a lawyer, but if I was a law stickler, uh that's that's a, that's always an interesting balance as a referee because you can't be a law stickler and expect to facilitate a, a decent game uh like i know the law but i use it uh how i need to in a game and i think if you're a law stickler uh within a game then you're going to run into some issues uh pretty quickly mm, absolutely i think the uh, that, that leads us on nicely actually uh to what does it take keith to, do you think to be a referee or to be a tmo in the modern game because we're trying to sort of debunk some myths you know tonight and that actually it isn't bloody easy at all um and i you know we're going to discuss the difference between northern and southern hemisphere there's real changes and all but in in simple terms what what each of you will start with you keith what, what what does it take to be a ref or a tmo in a modern game at any level yeah well let's take the ref the ref i'll let rosie answer the tmo one i think from from that perspective i think anyone refereeing we, we, we're there to help the game happen um, we've got the law book, which, of course, as Cam just said, is full of stuff that we're never going to use. It's, it's, the skill is more about knowing which bit to apply in each bit of a game that you're going to come across as it happens. And that's a really tough thing to develop. When you've got people coming into the game who perhaps haven't played, how they develop that nuance and understanding of what's in front of them is is the is the killer point. Um, I think the other thing is, is having... The type of person who can manage people um, through that process is, is the second thing. So um, people hark back to the, the days of Clive Norling and, and Roger Quittenton on, on our side of the planet, Spreader, Tony Spreadbury. His approach on the field um, is very different to, to some of those. And that how they manage the players, how they interact with those players, how they use humour or don't use humour. Um, obviously, examples on at the moment with um, St. Nigel. 
and, and how he delivers the, all those one-liners and from the comedian perspective, which is, of course, what people need to remember. He is the comedian outside. Of, he is a performer. And how all those attributes that people might have, how they bring that to the field to get a good game of rugby out of it. That's the, I think, other things that people need to think about. So, Rosie, do you want to pick up the, the how do you end up in the truck question? <laughs> you end up in a truck, yeah. Um, it's an interesting one. I think one of the key things about being a TMO is actually keeping your finger off the button. Um, and it, it's, it's often very tempting to get involved. And this, it's, it's very similar to refereeing in, on the field, actually, because you, you don't need to get every single thing right. There's no expectation, even though you've got technology there to get every single thing right that people think, why didn't you get that? Why didn't you get that? Why didn't you get that? I think it's about the big picture stuff. It's what are the things that everybody's going to be talking about? You know, we had a couple of conversations earlier, you know, offline about, you know, those things. And what are the things people are going to be talking about? What are the expectations of people who are watching the game, playing the game, the guys on the pitch are officiating, you know, coaches who are sat on the sideline? It's the role is about meeting those expectations as well as supporting the guys on the field. And use that word. the key word there is supporting the guys. You know, you, we are there to help get the right decisions at the right time, not to get every decision. Because that's just not logical. That's just, as Cam said, you'd never stop-start game. You'd never get anything going. Um, I mean, I, I was told years ago by a, by a really, um, really good mentor that I, I had, and he gave me this Latin phrase called the minimus non curat lex. And roughly translated, it means the law does not concern itself with triviality. And that's a really interesting way to approach refereeing on the pitch, probably more so than TMOing, because um, you're expected to get a lot of things right because you've got technology. But what are those right things? Who's saying what's right, what's wrong? The key thing is you know, making sure that we're there to support the guys on the pitch as, as far as I'm concerned. I guess, Cam, when looking at your recruitment view, your recruitment role, what, what are you looking for when you're trying to attract people into uh, the refereeing ranks? I suppose the, um, well, the willingness, first of all, to uh, <laughs> actually pick up the whistle, it's always a good, it's always a good start. Um, but I think probably one of the hardest things to, to teach or to instill in people is those interpersonal um, uh, abilities, those the ability to connect with people and to um you know stay cool under pressure and be able to explain yourself to someone or just to just to manage people um so certainly you know um police uh teachers um are probably just, uh high high target areas um, in terms of recruitment um those backgrounds lend themselves to conflict resolution on a day-to-day -day basis um and yeah, th those are the those are the core skills really that if you have if you're a Placement or a, or, a, or a teacher or anything like that, and you haven't thought about refereeing before, then do seriously think about it because you actually harness already a lot of the harder skills to, to learn as, as, as a referee. Um, learning the law is relatively easy, it's, 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 it can be studied. Um, you know, any, anything like that it can, can be picked up, and you can pick that up you know, in a heartbeat if you put, if you put your mind to it. It's the practice of, of those interpersonal skills, which probably takes a bit more time. Uh, and it's still being perfected by people right to the highest level of the game. Uh, and you'll see it in a, in, a, in a vast, you know, applied differently right across our elite referees around the world um, as well. And, and, and players will tell you that as well. Mm. 
Interesting uh, point there. That was uh, Gerald Williamson, um, obviously sort of player and sort of former past president of an Irish uh, uh, local club. Um, a good way for a young guy to get into refereeing is to have a, a mentor referee on the sidelines. Do do um, Cam in your role and and. Mm. Do you experience any of that? Do you have a mentor system to be able to try and bring new people on, um, or is it just a little bit of um, because of the necessity, um, people are sort of thrown in, do the course, and um, they're assessed, but not necessarily mentored as much as maybe perhaps you would like them to. Well, we've had varying degrees of this over the years. I'm just speak from a Bay Plenty perspective, at least. Um, when I first started refereeing, we didn't. I, I was out there by myself mostly. Uh, we had some referee coaches who would uh, dip in and out um, and provide some support. Um, I, I undertook a massive review with our referees at the end of last year. I had about um, 50 odd one on one meetings and just really drilled down into what referees want and what, what, what's going to build our club. And we refer to our referees association as a referees club rather than an association. So, I mean, we're a club just like any other sports club. Um, and once you start building that, that, that sense of the club, then people start working for each other. In a club, you have coaches and, 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 and managers and, and, and support um, for the players, uh, and everyone works together to achieve the same outcome. So we're trying to drive that, um, that sense of club within our own, within our own referee um, association. So I mean, our, um, funnily enough, next war, in a week and a half, we have junior and secondary school rugby kicking off here in the Bay of Plenty. Uh, so for a lot of for a lot of referees, new ones in this year, this will be their first run around on the paddock. Um, and so we've yeah we've a mental system is pretty massive for us. We've identified that as a pretty key area. So we've got a lot of interest from um, experienced referees willing to help out. Uh, we're taking the lead from some from some other associations from um, from ideas around the place. Um, things like either just being on the sideline or just checking in ahead and after the game, even shadow refereeing in some respects. Um, so depending on the level and the and the want and need of the of the referee who who is climbing into it, um, we're going to have people running around from fourteen years old and running their first game to you know 45, 50, 55 years old uh, running their first game. So um, it, it it takes a varying amount, but certainly having a mentor in some capacity is I think is a mass, massive important thing for for getting referees. It's hugely important. I mean, for me, having just somebody you can talk to when you're going in those first couple of first couple of games you're doing, having somebody consistently there um, is, is is crucial. And now that's there's the reality of life now. Then uh, perhaps Rosie, with your Devon hat on, David, whether you want to kind of explain the challenges that we have in finding the right getting people volunteers to do it. That's the problem we have, David. Yeah, it, it is, and it's. Um... It's an it's it's an ever growing problem in trying to uh, get people into refereeing, and I think it varies as well. From we're in a rural county, so we we have uh, logistical challenges with getting people to to matches um, and getting around the county, uh, and also the number of club teams that, are, that have gone, you know, which again re reduces your pool of talent that you you can go at. So. What we've done, like a number of sites, I'm sure Keith has done the same, is we've developed a young match officials uh, program um, that a few societies started independently. And the RFU picked up in the last few years and incentivized societies to, you know, target young young people, mm. um, boys and girls, to get into officiating. And that's that's got some re that's getting some really good traction across the country. Some some places better than others, um, admittedly, but it's getting it's getting somewhere. And those young people. What we've done is we've assigned every young referee a mentor. So that 
or or a coach or, or a coach depending on what that person's skills are um so they always have somebody with them on as as one of the commentators said um on the side of the pitch helping them and as, as cam talked about with with what they're doing in the bay of plenty so i think there's some similarities taking place um that help us produce that next um kind of generation of referees and in and in england um one of our refere- one of our professional referees Craig maxwell keys he came through a club a, cap- a club referee academy at his junior club in uh, in in lichfield in, in the west midlands mm-hmm. in staffordshire and he came through the game um he got injured playing didn't like it because it hurt and craig will openly admit that he didn't like getting hit his, his older brother or younger brother um still takes the mickey out of him about it now but craig decided he wanted to be in the in the game and the refereeing was his route so the 12 13 year old he was refereeing three four times a week um by the time he you know he made it through to being a uh, premiership referee probably done three or four hundred games of, re- of refereeing by the time he got there so you know and it shows uh, and he went to that journey from being very much about the laws of the game and as a young as a young fella that was easy for him to referee the law rather than trying to do too much management because as a young young fella who's going to take any notes of you so you know it was really good so um yeah we have got systems in place but they are but still huge challenges I, I, I guess i'd use this joe for anyone out there watching to mm. encourage anyone who's who, who does watch a lot of rugby um even who hasn't been a referee to kind of take take ownership of the, of those guys that you see and girls that you're seeing out on your your parks to support them um because they having the the wise counts or some of the, the names you just talked about um joining the asking the questions here today they're great rugby minds and they can we could use their skills and their love of rugby to help our referees as well it doesn't have to be a referee society thing or a, a coaching side of thing is let's bring it all together and see how we make it work i just back on to that one there keith yeah 100 the one thing we lack and the one thing we struggle for the most is developing referee coaches in those mentors and support network you know we, we do have some quality ones here in the bay of plenty but you know we've got 130 registered referees here and 10 referee coaches and the, the numbers don't really fit too well so uh any anyone like any if anyone with that background in the game still has a lot to contribute no i'd agree with that we, we have the same challenges around the numbers of people to support a mentor or coach um and that's probably the the biggest barrier to getting those young people or any referees through to the level they want to get to as quickly as as quickly as they can mm, absolutely I, I think it's uh it's also um how early you start them if, if you're inculcating the youngsters that are coming through and explaining to them you know maybe sort of five minutes in each sort of you know hour session and the kids even tiny when they're running around just explain what because kids soak up information and if you tell them something when they're young for, for me, if you tell a kid when it's young, okay, you know, you, you put a bit of fun around uh, a bit of a guideline or one of the laws or something and get them to sort of practice it, they'll remember that and it will soak in. And as they go up, I think there's, there's we, we expect players just to play. Uh, we expect coaches to coach. We expect refs and CMOs to be sort of there. And it's like, well, you know, what, what's most important, in, especially in grassroots or if you like sort of mid-level rugby, uh, where somebody is focused on the strength and conditioning, on the fitness, on the playing, on the tactics and everything else. And well, you know, it's up to you to to own 
take the ownership of responsibility for the laws as well but you know what inculcate it a little bit and make it fun from from the ground up and in every session um yeah there is a there is another bit to that joe which i think gets missed as well which is and you touched on it there and, and cam touched on it in terms of everybody thinks the fun part of rugby is the playing and no. i think you know i i've really enjoyed my my playing days and nothing will replace you know the, the buzz and the thrill of being in that team but in terms of getting to be an elite level performer a referee's journey is probably no different to a player's journey you've still got to have the uh, physical capabilities you still got to have the the mental the mental capabilities to be able to absorb information and um and go out and perform under pressure you've still got to have the desire to you know go out and train and this will be on your own largely in awful conditions and whatever you know around you so that's self-motivation you've got to have um and then you've got to put all that together and go out and perform under pressure from you know 30 players and coaches so actually from a, a mental sorry from a developmental and personal perspective the challenge of getting to the top as a referee is probably not much too, too different to that of a player um, and i think if you're willing to embrace that challenge there's a fantastic journey you can go on and you know and experiences you can have and you know if you talk to guys who who went to the world cup in japan they formed a fantastic team and you'll have just like players will you'll have friends for life so the two bits we talk about, about about rugby, about friends for life, about all those other bits and pieces that you get, and we largely circle, you know, put that in a plain prism, you mm. can get from a refereeing one as well. So I think people just have to look at it slightly different way in terms of what am I going to get out of the game mm. and play or coach. Mm. Yeah, brilliant. I, I tell you what, I, um, so, sorry, kid, I tell you what I'd really love. If I was playing now, I would love to have where you've got a training set and you've got local ref comes in and say this let's face it there's three or four key areas of the game which are nuances and which always cause a bit of contention with people you know offside breakdown stuff like that and have the ref there or a tmo there and have one of the players acting as a ref so where they're going through the plays and the the tactics getting the player to to say okay what's wrong there because actually what a fab way of inculcating that into your training because a player is going to understand and remember if he has to be the ref on on that thing do, do we do much of that where, where we where refs and tmos go and do uh, sort of training we, we always encourage referees in at society level everywhere to get down to a local rugby club and yeah. get involved with what's going on because that is the only way that we can explain and, and learn and that's where the rugby is we can't we can't we can't turn up to a game once every week and that's the only time we touch rugby um, those training sessions are so powerful um, and it happens, I guess, unseen by by most people out there. And I, I'm, I don't know at what level that still happens, but we know that um, within our group in the in the premiership that the referees go into clubs on a structured basis um, to, to work with them on, 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 on drills and areas of the game. So it happens all the way through. Uh, we know from the World Cup that the likes of uh, John Lacey and Chris Pollock were involved with developing that the, let's i know we're not supposed to use the terms now the tier two nations mm. to help them step up their knowledge by by getting them in there so that's definitely something that is encouraged by all of us at, at, at ground level and it and happens up the, up the food chain as well mm. good brilliant i think there's lots of potential uh, across the board and i think people are trying very very hard 
Um, I bet it's like everything, isn't it? It's, it's resources and it's time and and buy-in at all levels. And and uh, I think there would be some clubs or some individuals just well, ref turns up the weekend should know there should be the same consistency across the board. That's the favourite. It just doesn't. The reality doesn't 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 meet that. Um, I think it's all, we we've got a couple of points up here that which I'm going to come back to, but. Uh, in fact, I'm going to throw these up. In the meantime, um, I, I do want to, uh, you'll all have had your funniest moments and you'll all have had a cringiest moment. Uh, and I'd like each of you to to, to share a little bit uh, of those with us. Uh, Joe Lyons, though, in the first, though, says, um, uh, ex-players that have had their careers cut short um, uh, through injury, uh, a bit like Alan Rowland. Yep. Martin Buggy, uh, youth coach here in Ireland and uh, one of our regular panellists, uh, he says, I think getting people into officiating is probably the hardest aspect of rugby. Uh, I personally couldn't do it. <laughs> I'll stick to coaching. But I have found the people uh, that uh, that do take it on and have a passion for it. Uh, it can be a thankless job. <laughs> Absolutely. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. For massive respect, though, for our officials, they're vital for the game. Uh, Joe Lyons, uh, can't have a game without them. Maybe the 30 lads and ladies in the park should think about that as well as the uh, coaches as well. There we go. Uh, so, Keith. I was going to say, can we just bring, there was a, a previous one from Gerald. I think he's made a couple of comments but about um, the playing, getting people to, uh, players to think about becoming officials, which is a, a really good point. And we kind of touched on it earlier. Um, but that's a, a bigger... Yeah, and that's a great point, Joe. There, so guys and girls who might not make it as players, but they should be encouraged to think about becoming referees to stay involved. That's a a, a rich vein of um, talent that we'd love to get our hands on as referees. Because, uh, but it's it's how we have those conversations. Um, how that whether and this is where I'm slightly critical of the structures around the game. I'll, mm -hmm. I can't speak elsewhere, but we don't seem to have the resource, the the capability of getting into that, getting involved in those conversations. We know that union resources are being stripped back all the time. We're seeing it in England now. You guys have just been through it, Cam, where there's only so much resource. It's being stripped back and it's being reduced all the time. And that's, that's the, the rich seam that we just can't get into because we haven't got the resource to do it. We, we're, we're trying to build that capacity a little bit here in Bay of Plenty um, just by having, a, a I guess, a, a referee liaison or lack of better words within our ambition is to have one in every single club in the school uh, within the bay which is about a hundred and something odd um so but just having a connection point within the club so they can actually be part of the club themselves or the school um you know pick up the any of the people who are just doing the you know mum and dad refereeing on a run to sixes on a, on a saturday morning uh connect with those players who they know might be in the premier team or coming you know, finish playing and uh, trying to connect actually be a part of that club to then bring them into our club as well. So that, that's part of our ambition and that's, that's uh, what we started to get off, lift off the ground this year. So now that the season's starting to roll on, we'll hopefully start to see the payoff of that pretty soon. Wouldn't it be fab for every, you're right, wouldn't it be fab for every club at every level to have almost a, uh, uh, a an officiating liaison officer, somebody who is the go-to person within the club, mm -hmm. for the coaches and the players, for somebody who might not be a ref, but has done the you know sort of a week-long ref course or, or yeah. an officiating and law type course, so understands it more and is in contact with like the like you're a referee uh, manager, 
for Bay of Plenty in New Zealand. So that's a, it's a big regional union. So if you had something like that in every club, that's got to be great for being able to cross-fertilize information. Um, it's about those connections. Like, I can't reach those people <laughs> by myself. And uh, as far as we can spread um, referees and integrate uh, referees, uh, integration is one of our uh, key things that we, in fact, it was the primary, I guess, buzzword that we came up with when we did our strategic review this year is integration. And how can we integrate um, with into rugby and actually become part of, more a part of rugby and with the clubs and with the players and with the coaches? And that's key for us. I think that's a really good point, Cam, that you make there is that for too long, refereeing hasn't been seen as part of the game and not connected. Mm. It's been seen as kind of like that bit that's out there that nobody wants to go into and it's kind of these weird people that turn up, do a game, go away, and then they turn up, somebody else turns up the following week and he's even more weird or she's even more weird. It's, it is kind of that disconnect that the game has, all, has always tended to have. And I think that's a really good point about, and you can pick up on all kinds of different threads and stuff, but there's some real key sort of things coming through here about connection around personality, around, you know, enjoyment and stuff like that. And I mean, Keith probably said the same thing back in England years ago, it used to be compulsory that every season, every, um, every club had to, had to provide at least one referee to its local society. And it was kind of a prerequisite that you had to do. And everywhere you went, there were guys who were in their club who, and every club had a referee. So it wasn't quite formal like Cam's talking around in terms of that liaison bit, but at least in every club, and go back to your point, Joe, had somebody on a Saturday when the boys were in the bar, they could go to and say, hey, today we had this referee who did this. Can you explain, you know, what was going on? And it helped. Um, And I think, you know, sometimes you throw the baby out of the bathwater in terms Mm -hmm. of, in terms of what we call progress when actually you look back sometimes there might be some really good ideas and things we used to do that we no longer do that we could you know go back to and say why not try that again god this is i can get me jacket and leave now that i've actually <laughs> to the officiating circle tonight gentlemen um <laughs> two, before we go on to your funniest moments though uh sorry for nicking off your show keith uh, steve newton from uh, England Rugby Supporters and the new fantastic uh, roaring uh, forwards at British Nice Lines 21 forum. Have a look at that. That's good. Uh, Steve and Nick are doing that. Uh, nice to see that the refs have been uh, directed to be more strict on the current laws have been disregarded too long. Again, I'm wondering whether sometimes we interpretation. Uh, gentleman Joe Lyons agrees with them. I love the little side conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Bloody right. What are these refs and TMOs? No, Should we get into that, Joe? Yeah, I think so, mate, because I think it's, uh, it, it's a very emotive thing, Keith. Yeah, look, I mean, we, we saw just as, as lockdown was, was kicking off that World Rugby had, had made the pronouncements of the, the changes in the direction of, of what was going to happen as to how the particularly the breakdown was going to be refereed. Um, and the focus was, I think there'd been a working group going on, for those of you who up weren't, didn't see that. as a working group of coaches, players, um medics to some extent as well and and referee looking at this uh, real deep dive level to figure out whether we needed to change the law to bring the law up to what the game was like or whether we take the game back to the law and we talked about this during the world cup last year and having looked at all that rather than scrapping laws and changing the law altogether they've all decided collectively the best thing to do is that we we take the game back to the law um, and we referee. And over years, we all know that things have crept in and it's just been allowed to happen. And 
and suddenly we get to a stage where we've got crocodile roles being in there and players being injured and, and all, all the sorts of things that go with that and no one could really come up with a way of addressing that so the only way to do that is to to, to, to reinforce what we were going to do which is very much the point that um, that comment just made is that we go back so the priority areas that we're looking to do is to, to reward that jackal um, with power because in theory if the jackal is there and on his feet which is a key point or her feet um, they get the ball there shouldn't be an issue where they don't get it yeah. Um, I think we'd all argue looking at clips from at pro levels where we get that jackler there and they're not actually trying to get the ball at all. Um, they've got arms on somewhere. They're actually holding the ball in. They're not trying to get it. So there's a bit of kidology all around there. Um, but the other focus that that's coming on and we're starting to see through the Super Rugby restart is where that tackler is now being asked to go. Um, in other words, to get right out of the game and to roll towards the sideline. Side line. Um, and that's, I think, will be... And a really interesting thing to see develop. I mean, Cam, you've probably seen that um, on the part. We haven't quite se we haven't seen that up here yet. Um, we're looking forward to seeing that how, how it comes through. But those are the, the real things that they're looking to, to address to make sure that the, the tackle um, is refereed as it was intended to be refereeing. Yeah. Um, and when we, we make those sudden switches, we suddenly become enemy number one. I think we saw Super Rugby Aratoa um, weekend one. Uh, the penalty count was north of 30 on both the games 30, um, 30 and 31 yeah <laughs> so it's i mean that's a um that's a, a horror story waiting to be written in the media at a normal a, a normal game like that but that's what we're going to see as we all get used to that change of behavior from the players and then we actually referee as well so that's what we're now being asked to see i mean cam how, how have you actually seen it at your level and, and are you refereeing just those law changes at, at community level at your end of the woods or are you doing some other stuff as well yeah no it's been a really interesting um yeah, we're about oh about we're three rounds into our our senior competition here um plus pre plus a couple of pre-season games so we've read about four or five games uh now at, at a good level with um with these law focus areas i guess you could put them we, we haven't adopted any uh, law changes or amendments at community level in new zealand but we have certainly adopted those uh focus same focus areas as uh super rugby um, particularly the breakdown uh, and also managing offsides that players are now clearly onside um, rather than not. Um, so, and it's amazing how just as a referee, um, it's actually just changed, the, I guess, what we call our pictures. Um, it's made them a heck of a lot clearer. Um, it's made the process so much more streamlined. So uh, now that we know, have some real focus areas and we actually are expected to, to, to rule on those, we've made it remarkably clear with um with the teams, uh, well, I don't know. Just within here, with our, with our top level teams, we held, held you know development sessions and Zoom sessions, you know, explaining, discussing what they're going to be, unpacking them, um, and we've had again referees connecting with clubs and teams where possible ahead of the season just to work through them at, at trainings. Um, and yeah, there was a bit of bedding in, uh, of course, the first couple of weeks. Um, once the teams actually started to realise that you're being serious and you actually were going to do what you said you're going to do. Um, They've actually started to adapt and react and to and, and change behaviors. So already, like I remember my first game out there, I think I blew, yeah, it was close to about 28, 29 penalties um, in, in that first game. And that's and that's down to low twenties now. Uh, and that's only in two or three rounds. So this is and these are just amateur players. So they can show that the adaption is already there. Um but yeah, certainly like I said about those pictures, that um getting rid of the tackler and making that the priority. Uh 
is, is your first focus point. And then once that becomes your first focus point, then everything else becomes quite stepped and, and streamlined after that. Um, you know, then you, it's pretty obvious to see if the ball carrier is going to do an extra movement. That, that's obvious to see. You don't really need to look for that. But then you can just w- worry about those arriving players uh, and what they're doing. Now, are they, are they um, allowing a fair contest for that ball? And managing offside, it's super easy. Clearly onside, I just say to them, boys, if you're, if you're going to be right on the line, and if I think you might be offside, I'm going to call you offside. Just take half a step. And it's so easy. And then all of a sudden, you've now got space for the game to operate. And I've, I think I blew one offside penalty last week, as opposed to probably you know, five or six that I might, might normally blow. You know, and it's, and it's fantastic. They know where the boundaries are, and it's, and it's actually starting to work really, really well. Uh, it'll certainly be, be interesting for us when we get back. I mean, we're, we're not even getting close, I don't think, to, to being back in the game. I think England, Scotland, Wales will... It's going to be probably after Christmas, I think, in reality, before we get to proper rugby again. Um, there's media reports up this neck of the woods that they're going to bring in a, a strange variation of non-contact, contact-ish, contact-light game for us to all to, to do something, just so we're back out doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll have to see how that one beds out. Um, premiership um, and championship clubs are back training again, aiming towards, I think, 14th, 15th of August weekend from a premiership perspective. So they'll be all bedding in with those. The premiership referee group have been back together again for the first time this week, getting back training. So it'll be, they'll, I'm sure at some point we'll be heading back out to clubs to, to reinforce the stuff we've all been seeing um, and, and making sure that that. 14, 15, 16 of August weekend isn't a penalty fest. And, and I'll just add one thing to it. I actually don't know, to be perfectly honest, that there's actually been much of a change in community level rugby. Um, for me, a lot, of, a lot of what was identified taking that breakdown was just through to what was being coached at a high performance level. Yeah. You know, like I, I was actually, to be perfectly honest, getting really, really disenfranchised watching Super Rugby last season, um, just with the number of particularly side entries uh, and you know, basically cleaning out, pretty much cleaning out a, a would-be jackler from his side, almost, you know. Um, and that was, I was just watching it going, this is not what the laws are written for. This is not how we're supposed to apply the game. So I was welcoming those law application guidelines earlier this year. Um, and, you know, I think that at a community level, um, there has been a bit more of a focus on it. But to be perfectly honest, not a lot has actually needed to change and has changed because actually we refereed quite differently and players aren't as skillful to or coached in a certain way to i guess more or less cheat uh, for lack of better words um or you know bend the laws i guess as as far as the referee would allow um probably do that a bit less at community level anyway usually what they do is usually through lack of skill or inaccuracy so that's probably what we're refereeing on anyway rosie were you wanting to come in there mate i was just gonna are are we going to be in the premiership because we're halfway through the competition, effectively, using the, the new tackle variations to finish the season, or are we going to wait till next season to, to bring that in? There was some discussion initially mm. that I read that Premiership Rugby had said they didn't want anything to change, using that terrible phrase to preserve the integrity of the competition. <laughs> um, because if that, that's going to cause confusion for, for players and the viewing audience, because then... At the end of that, those players are going to go into test matches in that kind of um, November window. Um, and I'm sure they'll be refereed uh, to these new uh, law application guidelines. So it'll be interesting to see what, what does happen when we get going again in, uh, in mid-August. 
I mean, I personally hope that we do adopt um, adopt the changes because I think, it, as Cam said, it'll make the game for everybody far better, far cleaner, a much better spectacle to to watch. Um, and actually, big one, you know, we know a lot of injuries occur or occur around the tackle area, and if we can clean that aspect up, then we're going to help a lot of players in terms of their welfare as well. Yeah, I, I, I suspect we will shift to that from a Northern Hemisphere perspective as well. I and mean, we talk about the, we don't want to change much during the course of the game, but if you look at the players that were, were involved, all the players were out of contract in June. So they have moved clubs. So they, um, the likes of, I mean, Carl Sinclair's just moved from um, uh, the Quinns to, to Bristol, will be playing for a side he should not be playing for in this in, in last season's rugby. So I think, I, I, I suspect, um the pragmatic view will will come across there, but I guess we 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 await our orders. Mm. <laughs> well, it's just on the on the uh, taking that on. Uh, I just picked up another giggle moment there from Joe Lyons, uh, which I'm going to bring in because of a former prop is number three for the show. Um, he he posed a question which just drives me uh, absolutely cracks me up. Uh, I'm going to bring it in now. Uh, when was the last straight put into a scrum 1895? It just when I learned to play at the age of uh, the wholesome age of 21, it, you know, a, a hooker had a job to do. The ball was put in straight, he hooked the ball out, and that was it. And the two props were there to put them. You know, it's just gone. This, what, what are your takes on that, guys? Because I, this, the, the next two things, this one leads us into the next one, are the difference between the northern and southern hem hemisphere viewpoints. On uh, on the interpretation of the rules, so um, David maybe perhaps first on the uh, uh, on the interpretation of just that example, the the, the putting at the scrum, which drives us all wild. Thanks um, for that one. Um, <laughs> yes, I think it's it's the, the inevitable question whenever there's a referees forum or conversation. Yeah, really? um, it's it's the one question you know you know is going to come, and I don't think anyone's got a, and I'd be. I'd be wrong if I sat here and said I've got a definitive answer to, as to why. Yeah. I don't think anybody can honestly say why. Apart from, if you look at the mechanics of the, the scrum in the, the, in the modern game at the highest level, because that's what people are talking about, I don't think it's the problem at community rugby level. The games that I see and I've refereed and players I you know regularly see, it's not a problem. The ball goes in, the hooker still does his job and everybody gets on with it. At the, at the top end... The mechanics of the scrum, from a referee perspective, there's so many moving parts that actually the putting becomes almost like in your pecking order. It's probably third, fourth, fifth. Um, you look at other things before you even get to that point. And by the time you get to that point, the ball's in the scrum okay. and the ball's gone. And you say, well, let's crack on then. And then yeah. the other aspect is, and you talked about it in your intro there about props and hookers. There's very few hookers and props now. They're actually set up on when they're not when it's not their putting to do anything other than just try and push. Oh, yeah. Try and win the ball on the strike, like the good old days, and get one against the head. Um, and take that into the bar and have a few pints over it. So there is, there are some there are some, if you like, game shifts that, that have moved that from a game playing perspective lower down the pecking order. I accept it's it's not right. Mm. Uh, I accept that, but I just think when you look at the whole package put together, yeah. that's where you'll probably find most top referees will say, "That's why we let the, the you know the the, the the ball be put in crooked uh, crooked as people say." But don't forget as well, the law changed a couple of years ago where the scrum half could stand slightly to mm. his right 
and put the ball effectively under his own hooker. So you've got no chance of getting the ball anyway. Yeah, yeah. So even. So I, was, I was I was waiting for, for that. I was going to chip in if it didn't come. I've, I've said this before yeah. with you, Joe, um, and I've said yeah. it on the site and I'm on, on on the Advantage Over podcast, which you might want to listen to. Um, but look, I, I I actually think we've got to get over it. So so I was it yeah. Joe that said it. Get over it, mate. Um, the law changed three years ago. Um, the scrum half can stand to his side and put it in. The, it doesn't matter. He can put it in straight, and he does put it in straight. The hooker has to strike. Uh, and we, so the, the view that Rosie and I get, um, we ha we see a lot of put-ins, and there is always a strike. Um, so it's happening. Um, the game gave up on it three years ago. We didn't do that as referees. Um, the lawmakers changed the changed the law to move the scrum half. So that was the point where it was stopped being an issue, and we've just got to get on with it. Yeah. So that then does lead us on to now. It's a great bit of crack eyes, but it, but it is a serious point. But it does lead us on to um, looking at the time frame. There, the time has flown by. Um, the, the fundamental differences between uh, northern and southern hemisphere on, on both as a sort of a, a ref ref manager in, in the southern hemisphere, former refs and TMOs in the northern hemisphere. Um, how how do you view the differences? We'll start with Cam first. Between is there fundamental differences in the way the interpretation of the laws between the two hemispheres? Because there seems to be, when when we, we see different refs camp, would you say there is, or it's just the style of game? Because Super Rugby, for example, Southern Hemisphere Rugby is so fundamentally different than the Northern Hemisphere. Is that what causes it, the differential? Well, I, I'm not too sure. It's um, it, it's going to be really interesting to see what, what, what comes out of it uh, now that these uh, law application guidelines are in place around the breakdown yeah. in particular. Um, because I know that that's probably the one area in particular that you see the, the probably the biggest differences. Um, but if these uh, sort of, I guess, aligning, and we've already we've seen a lot more, you know, these we probably would see maybe Southern Hemisphere referees, particularly a lot more of the off the feet or in the side things go in the past, uh, or not rule on those in the past. That's the past now, definitely the past. Um, and by virtue of that, you're, start, you're starting to see a slightly different game, like. You're seeing in Super Rugby now probably slightly more kicking. You're seeing drop goals for the first time ever. <laughs> um, but even just little law tweaks, and, and not, not law tweaks, but even just law, little law um, you know, honing in and, and focus areas can just change a game like that. So it's amazing what influence a refereeing does have on a game. So to say that Super Rugby is vastly different, I would also then say that maybe the refereeing and the Southern Hemisphere refereeing style has allowed it to be that as well um it's probably had an influence over the last few years and it's, and it's sort of devolved and developed in its own way aside from northern hemisphere rugby um i think i was telling you a story yesterday uh, about uh, the lines tour down here in new zealand and i was lucky enough to meet yako paper and romain poit and jerome garcia's and you know have a good chat to them um prior to the to the uh to the series start and and even then the difference between yako and in the in the um french fellas um just was quite different in the application on the field. We understood Yako's call for you a lot more as a, from a Southern Hemisphere perspective. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and then when it got to the um, to Jerome and, and Romain, um, it was a bit more head scratching. It wasn't necessarily wrong. I understood as a referee, but uh, from a from a fan's yeah, perspective and understanding perspective, it was quite different. Ah, cool. Keith David. Um, I I think there's a there's a lot to this in in. I think what you've got to look at as well is the competition structures that we that, that, that mm. uh, where you know the very highest level 
in New Zealand and the Southern Hemisphere is super rugby. There's no promotion, no relegation. And the way the game is played, the attitude towards the game is different when you've got a competition in the Northern Hemisphere where in the Premiership you've got promotion relegation, which starts to contract the way teams play. In the Pro 14, you've got qualification for European um, Champions Cup that rides a lot. So that's really key for a lot of the clubs there, although there's no relegation, but that's a real driving factor. Um, so, and I think those, the combination of those things alter the way the game is actually played, not necessarily the way it's refereed. And I agree with Cam, I don't think there's a huge amount of difference between the very top guys in the Northern and Southern, Southern Hemisphere. You'll get roughly similar outcomes to similar situations. Um, there's always been nuances. Uh, the French guys are always a little bit um, quirky, um, but they they're generally on the same page, and I think that's that's the main thing. There will be a couple where you think, "Crikey, that's that was a bit strange." Where, that, where did that one come from? But generally, I think we're all we're on yeah. the same page. Um, we get very similar outcomes at the at the top level, um, and I think it's been I think it is more about the playing structure than than refereeing styles, as people call it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I don't think there's much more to, to add from a difference perspective. Um, I think the game has got more global over recent years. We've, we've got the the mixed panel at the elite level. So we're always seeing the, the Northern Hemisphere doing the Southern Hemisphere fair matches, the, the reverse. We've got we've had some fairly good cohesion over Rugby World Cup time. Occasionally there's going to be variations on a theme. But on the whole, the way we apply things now is, is getting much more globally consistent. Um, than, than I think it ever has been before. So I think it's one of those things. There'll always be quirks to it. The game is a slightly different product, um, but how we're all refereeing, I think, is getting a, is, is getting much more um, balanced and level. Okay, we've got one question just before we sort of want to just uh, cover just before, uh, just as we come up towards the end of the show, um, on returning to play uh, for, uh, for, for, oops, knocked my lights off there. Uh, returning to play for you guys, but Martin Buggy's put up a question there. Uh, just a question on how you guys feel about getting rid of calling the mark. Uh, would it make uh, the game more interesting um, if defences then had to play the ball um, out uh, from the back rather than calling the mark? Interesting question. Good one. It's, it's a good. It's a good question. It certainly would. I don't. Is anyone? That's not being trialled anywhere, is it? Nope. I, think I don't think so. I think it's. Uh, it can be trialled from now. As we've said, we've gone live from World Rugby Headquarters in Dublin tonight. Martin, <laughs> I hope somebody that he hopes a Bill, God bless him, is uh, is watching. And so actually, it's saying say, saying that that they, they haven't changed it. Australia are trialling a, a change, so they are um, they they're saying you can't mark it at twenty two to twenty two can't be marked. So they are sort of trying to bring them to stop that. Yeah, but to be honest, the number of times it would be marked on a 22, right. normally there's so much space and time, yeah. no one's going to mark it anyway. So that feels like a bit of a strange one to, to do. But um, I can't see many uh, back three players wanting that change. Can you really? Um, yeah. Especially if you're playing against someone like Connor Murray. Um. Yeah. Just buys a little bit of time. I was looking forward to those things as well. Just buys people a little bit more time, doesn't it? You know, I'll take the mark and. Um, just reassess, especially if you're sort of the pressure's on you a little bit there. But um, so to finish off, lads, the uh, returning to play. Uh, I mean, obviously, Cam, you're you're already uh, within that uh, capacity now as, as developing and moving forward in 
in in New Zealand. But Keith and and David, what 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 are the systems and places for for you developing your sort of return to play protocols for for officials? Um. I know the RFU are uh, working with the government at the moment to try and set up some uh, frameworks um, to give to DCMS, as we call it, the Department of Culture and Media and Sport, um, to try and provide the government what they want to ensure a safe return to play. Keith's already talked about the fact that World Rugby have issued some um, hybrid laws that can be introduced to keep um, to get the game going again and make it safer. Uh, in terms of refereeing, what we try to do is support our referees through things like this, through um, webinars and through uh, Zoom meetings to keep them um, keep keep people in touch uh, with each other. Um, and I think a bit like players, you know, referees, the, the the guys and girls want to get out and actually start contributing again and getting out and um, refereeing some matches, whatever whatever those matches might be. I think we all accept. That we might have a, a different game initially to, to referee before we get back to the full thing we had before the lockdown. So I think there's a lot of enthusiasm still. Um, and I think hopefully, from what I hear, we may get some rugby around November for the community game in, in, in England. So fingers crossed that's, that happens. And if that is the case, you know, we won't lose too much more of, uh, of, our, of our season. Um, so fingers crossed for that. Just imagine how fit we're going to be with a what five five month pre season training regime to get in. Yeah, true. Yeah, absolutely. How how did you uh, find your uh, return to play protocols, uh, Cam? Um, well, it was uh, all quite it was all quite set up quite well. Uh, certainly, we 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 had our national alert levels um, that 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 guided us through. So alert level four was full lockdown, um, and alert level three we we. New Zealand rugby worked quite closely with the government as to what could happen in Sport New Zealand as to what could happen at each alert level. So they were always coming out with frameworks and guidelines based on alert levels as to what could happen. So we had we couldn't really get anything back going until alert level two. We're currently in alert level one, so everything's kind of business as normal, but with the borders are closed. Um, but alert level two is when we could start training again. Every single club, any activity, rugby activity, had to have a full health and safety COVID plan um you know to be um sterilizing the oh you know sanitizing the equipment and etc etc i had to have full contact tracing and things like that um and then there were plans in place for numbers that could be at grounds maximum of 100 um and so the policing on that for, for clubs and the compliance would have been quite quite stressful no doubt luckily um we then moved to level one um, weeks ahead of even when pre-season was going to start. But New Zealand rugby always gave some some dates. They were like, no rugby is going to start until, you know, you cannot have rugby until the 13th of, of, uh, of June for pre-season and competitions can't start before the 20th. And that was that was announced four or five weeks out in advance um, and always to be reviewed. So it was, it was always plenty of, you know, uh, there was always plenty of foresight uh, and plenty of plans going in place. Luckily, we didn't have to use some of the more stringent ones, um, and we could just be actually rugby as normal, more or less, uh, once we actually got back into it. I think the difficulty we've got, Joe, is that we, we're still mid-season, so we've still got in the north. We've got a Premiership season to finish. We've got a Pro 14 season to finish. We've got European competitions that need finishing um, off, so that we can park that, and then we can move on to the next version. Because then we're into autumn internationals. Well, if I don't, if they're going to be a thing, 
when does the new season start for us and how do we kind of get back onto calendar if you like mm. i mean really we're looking they've already announced today obviously the, the the lions will tour south africa end of july next year so there's mm. there's a fixed there's a fixed date that's the first fixed date i've seen for quite some time in anything to do with rugby um, so working back from that point, how do we get Six Nations 21 in? How do we get seasons built around that? There's an, there's an awful lot of work to be done. Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I was surprised that they, they came out with that. Bear in mind that uh, South Africa has uh, just gone backwards a massive step. Um, mm. A huge step backwards. And then from to announce that within a very short space time, I was surprised. But uh, no doubt Andy Danny will be covering that on our uh, Springbok and South African Roundup show tomorrow. More about that in a minute. Um, listen, lads, it's, um, th there's been, um, <laughs> I do, uh, Joe Lyons, I think he's been on the Malbecs tonight as well. Good man yourself. Thanks for the engagement, Joe. Uh, obviously a friend of Cam's, I think, but it's been great, mate, having you on the show. Uh, please join us again. That's just the finished question on him, be a bloody ref. Well, there's opportunities even for you, Joe, I think would be the answer uh, for, for everybody. Before, just before we finish, uh, lads, uh, Martin Buggy, you're not asking many more questions because you are the runover king, and every single time you either on the show as a panellist or viewing, we all run over massively. Keith, then Cam, then David, where would you like to see rugby from an officiating point of view going, coming post-COVID over the next couple of years? What would be the sort of the one thing, Keith, that you'd like to uh, really see us achieve? From the officiating point of view. Um, I'm actually going to bring it back to a structural thing. Um, and that's yeah. part of the reason I set up Rugby Referee on it to start with, because I was frustrated with how the game supported refereeing, how disparate it was to find information and get people together. And that's kind of the, the that's why I started what I've started to do. And it's, it's kind of barely scratching the surface. So I think how we better support, figuring out how we best support the game, we, we've yeah. got to get some resource put behind it, which I know is really, really challenging and everyone wants resource, um, but getting some structure around it that helps all elements of the game to support each other. I mean, Cam talked about the club element and how getting, bringing everything together. Rosie, going back to the past, we were, we were much more of a single game, but bringing mm. refereeing into it so that we kind of work together to solve the problems that we've got. Um, so that's kind of, that's a big, that's a big old manifesto pitch there, but um, there's a, there's a there's a lot to it. I don't know if the others have got either view on that or something more specific. I'll just jump off the back of that a little bit, Keith. But um, oh sorry, not too sure if Dave was supposed to be next. But um, no, I mean certainly from a money, yeah, money is obviously a, a, a big factor uh, in terms of resourcing, and we need to. I think we need to be quite smart with that. Obviously now with um, traditional revenue streams having been taken a massive hit with um with you know the financial situation of the world. Um, but even even so, like earlier this year, uh, or last year, sorry, I was uh, on a course, uh, a coach developers course, so for developing referee coaches, and it was with other codes, it was cross-code, it was non-code specific, um, so with netball and hockey and basketball, and I think there are massive opportunities to actually collaborate with other sports and pour resource into doing something well, because if you're looking at, for example, referee coach development, trying to do it in your own little silo, I think, is, is pointless. You don't need content's irrelevant you know content's going to come with the coach it's the coaching skills and the process that you need to develop and why not work Absolutely. with other sports and then become cross-code and collaborative and even game management um sessions and um communication and conflict all those are um not unique to rugby refereeing they're you know match official issues so i think we can probably get a bit smarter as well and i would really like to see that direction taken um locally and even more um at a national and international level, it's become a bit more resource 
to co- collaborate with other sports too. Fabo, do you mean? Absolutely brilliant. Who? Yeah, I, th- I think the lads have mentioned two really good um, and key things there. I think the structural one is 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 massive. I think for 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 refereeing, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, but also, I think the the big thing I'd like to see is taking Cam's theme there is about how do match how does officiating become much more mainstream across and and uh, it, within the game and doing so. Why aren't we looking outside of our own sort of confines? Um, if you look at American sport, the, the the officials in those in the major American sports are communicating across uh, across each other continually and working together continually uh, to develop officiating as a as a career, but also notwithstanding that, also the the, the resources that go with that, and it shouldn't be beyond. You know, we shouldn't have the silo approach we've got where the New Zealand rugby union are doing one thing, the Australians are doing one thing, the English are doing one thing, the Welsh. We should actually be looking at it saying, as we touched earlier about the North and Southern Hemisphere difference, actually it's one game, it's one global game as, as kids. So why can't we share resources that actually make that whole process far easier? Because it's the one thing in the game which doesn't have to be different to anywhere else. Because mm-hmm. each, each union, each club, each team want to play different to its opposition. Was refereeing and officiating actually has that one common denominator, which is a set of laws that have to be applied, but can be applied in a certain way. And there's lots of stuff around how we how we do that. So it's a long answer, but I think that's what I'd like to see see happen in the next couple of years. Good drills, excellent. I think it's a great way to finish on. Uh, Martin Buggy, I will give you this one. Um, interesting show where we've got a great variation of uh, discussion on Three Bugs, Wall and Bod. Uh, the game is not about just playing at international or professional, but uh, club level across the whole piece. And I think that just ties in with everybody said. Keith, before I wrap up and say goodnight, does everybody what's coming up next? Just tell us what people find at rugbyreferee.net. Um, blimey. Um, well, at the moment, um, all sorts of bits and pieces. We've got regular appointments news as that's starting to come out. So that comes out every Thursday um, and news as it happens. So we've got backstories about sort of content around the law changes. They happen. We try and get into the skin of it. Uh, I've got the podcast as well. The advantage over podcast for people who want to listen to more of my voice, then feel free. Um, subscribe to that. We've got some great episodes going back there about refereeing the scrum whether it's uh, we've had an interview with Barn, Wayne Barnes before the World Cup. We've spoken to people from all around the world there. So it's, it's great to delve into the episodes there to do so. And um, we've also got a, a referee community group. So if you are referees there, um, there's about over a thousand of us in there over on Facebook. Um, if you head to actually refsquad.com, that will bounce you into the group and um, we can carry on this conversation there. Absolutely brilliant. There you go. See you. Uh, Big Joe Shep here. Three blokes, a ball and bod group of online rugby shows globally. Uh, fortnightly, monthly, weekly, daily, depends what it is. Love doing these uh, joint venture shows tonight. It's been my uh, real privilege to have done a joint venture show with rugbyreferee.net. And it is, and Keith is, my go-to <laughs> messages galore. I say, yeah, thanks for the most absolutely fab show when we when the lads back on again. Yeah, I should take a screenshot and tell you, like, you know, that's a good. Rugbyreferee.net is my go-to source for things on officiating, and Keith is our go-to guy that uh, who has been on the show lots and lots of times and we'll be back on again i'm glad that 14 months on since when we first planned this we could get a an officiating show on its own right so to do a joint venture and to get rugbyreferee.net highlighted a bit more has been the right thing to do uh to cam russell who is the referee manager 
refereeing is on right, but it was a referee manager at the Bay of Plenty Rugby Union, who we did tag into the post tonight, so I hope the lads will be happy with that, in New Zealand. Thank you for getting up at an unearthly, godly hour in the morning and joining us, and for sharing your thoughts, mate, and your, your knowledge and your experience. It's uh, fab. It's a real pleasure to know you. And I will keep pleasure. Thank you. To, uh, to David Rose. Uh, Dave, thank you for your chat yesterday, mate. Very enlightening, and um, I think your journey's been fab as well. I think that you know what goes back to who'd want to be Joe Lines's tongue-in-cheek question: Who'd want to be a ref? These three guys here have been refs. They've been players. They've been coaches. They mentor. Uh, they come together in unity. It is a rugby family. It's a rugby club, as as Campus describes as, and uh, David's journey through all of those things. Well, I think it just shows that anybody and everybody can be a referee, can be a TMO, can have mm -hmm. some part to play. And why not volunteer at your local club and start on the ground level to be an officiating liaison officer to go out to your local society, rugby, referee society, clubs, whatever it is called in your region. Go and do a trial day. Go and understand the laws a bit more. In, invite the referee. So I think it was Cam David said, in, in, when you get back into the bar later, the ref isn't necessarily just stood in his own like he used to be. You know, he's invited across for a pint. Or you're officiating liaison officer. The players can say, look, there's that ref there. You know, what was all that about? And he can explain it as succinctly and as simply as the guys, our expert panellists, have done tonight. Cam, we wish you uh, uh, and family and the whole uh, region all the very, very best. Stay safe. And we look forward to having you on again. Thank you, sir. David Rose, a real pleasure. And I know that you're going to be looking doing some stuff with uh, Andy Daniel and, um, and Clarky uh, over on, and on the mental health side of things as well, mate. And we wish you all the very best. It's been a real pleasure. And Keith, keep doing what you're doing, mate, because without rugbyreferee.net, you know, we don't have that thing at all levels to uh, keep people going. It's a real pleasure. Thanks, Joe. Good chat as ever. Tonight, we have been looking at officiating in the modern game and how easy it actually is to do, or not, as the case may be. What makes it easy yet is when players and coaches and fans and parents and everybody else involved in rugby gets involved and be, is part of the solution and not part of the problem. I'm Big Joe Shep. Thank you, Keith Lewis. Thank you, David Rose. Thank you, Cam Russell. Until tomorrow night. Until the next time, stay safe, be nice to one another. And remember, this is the Global Rugby Family. Thanks for listening to the Advantage Over podcast from RugbyReferee.net. We hope you've enjoyed the content that we brought to you this week. What we'd really appreciate is your likes, rates and reviews, wherever it is you found it, whether that's iTunes or Stitcher Radio or TuneIn. Please head over there and leave us a review. We really do appreciate those. Um, we'd also... Um, ask you to tell your referee colleagues friends community um th about this podcast this is the only rugby referee podcast out there um so we hope to get to more earbuds um over time we'd also love your feedback um, and your suggestions and your comments so please let us have them um you can either email us at ref at advantageoverpodcast.com um, or you can find us through the rugby net website um, or through twitter at rugby referee net which is the same handle you'll find on instagram as well we're in all those places so please do let us know what you think let us know what you want um, and how we can help you become better referees in the future so for now that is advantage over <laughs>